So I'm happy to share this message with you. I think um, that you'll find that this message in the music, the, the, the songs that we just sang, uh, coincides so beautifully. Um, it's as if I told the worship leader what songs to pick out, but I didn't. I'm just married to her, and I give her the sermon, and she reads it, and then she picks them out. But they are so, so... I mean, the words that you sang are, are, the, are the message. And it's a good one in the sense of um, it's on this theme of God's promises. I, I want us to um, live by God's promises. Uh, I think that there are lots of God's promises, but I think there's lots of sayings, as I think is up there on the screen, lots of sayings that people like to say. And oftentimes we're, we're well-intentioned, we have these sayings, and we say them to people, but... Are they really true? Are they really biblical? Like, are they God's promises that we can claim and hold on to? And last week, I shared one of those. I said, God helps those that help themselves. You heard that saying before? And I basically showed that that really isn't a promise from God, uh, the way it's understood oftentimes, because the way it sounds is it's conditional. But God's help is not conditional. He loved you. He loves us even while we're still sinners. So God's love is not conditional, and that is not really the promise. The promise was God makes you holy. God finishes what he starts in you. And amen to that, because I know that I need a lot of help <laughs> along the way. So why is it important that we don't you know, claim these promises that, uh, that are just sayings? Because sayings can be like cults. They start off biblical, but they get twisted along the way. Think about that. It's true. I don't want you to claim a saying that's not a promise because when you do that, you'll get disappointed with God because God won't, he won't follow up on, on that promise that you think is a promise that's really just a saying. He, he, you'll think that, that, that God doesn't, uh, isn't fair, but God is. God is, is always going to come through on his promises. So the saying that, that I have today, and it actually, um, I had someone share with me after last week, you know, I, I hear this one saying all the time, Pastor Matt, and I wondered if it was biblical. And so this person that asked, how's this for a quick turnaround? It's today. I'm telling you the answer today. Um, but you know, when life is hard, when life feels unfair, life is often difficult, a lot of times you might hear this, you might hear a Christian say, that God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. And there's others that, that are said along those lines of when life is hard, like everything happens for a reason. God is trying to teach you something. Someone always has it worse. Have you heard those sayings before? And, and they come when, when, when life is, is hard. And, and people say those and they mean well, but... It doesn't really feel very good when you hear them. So I'm going to tackle this saying, God will um, never give you more than you can handle. And I'm going to answer the question, is it a promise from God right now? No, it's not. Not when you fully understand it. And I'm going to break it down for you and help you see where it kind of comes from. I'm going to show you the Bible verses where probably it originated from. But it's really not a promise from God that God will never give you more than you can handle. Because honestly, I think life always gives you more than you can handle. Life is hard, and I think that God always gives you help. 
when life gives you more than you can handle. There's a real promise that comes out of this, and you've heard it said already, and I know you know it, and it requires your participation, but the real promise is that God is good. And you say? All the time. See, I know you heard it before. And all the time? God is good. We like that. It's been around a while, and um, we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to give you um, something that to, I'm going to try to bring that phrase, that, that the title of the message, I'm going to try to, that affirmation, I'm going to try to bring it to this, this real understanding of, you know, God can never give you, or God will never give you more than you can handle. It's, it's really not that. It's God is good all the time. But I want to ask you to be honest for a minute. I've learned this, that when you preface a question, parents use this with your kids, say the words, be honest. It changes everything. <laughs> Preface your question with that. So be honest right now. Um, if life is going good for you and I say God is good, you're going to smile and say all the time. But if life is not going very good for you right now and I say God is good, you might say it, but you'll say it grumbling and mumbling. Because sometimes we don't feel like God is good. We, sometimes we don't feel like that's the way um, and, and actually believe it, but the, because life stinks sometimes, doesn't it? Life is, is really hard sometimes. If you don't make enough money, if you don't get the grades you want, if you don't get along with your spouse or a family member, if, you, if your sin is getting the best of you, if you lose your job, if someone you love dies, sometimes life is just a poop show. That's the church version of that saying. <laughs> Life's hard, right? And sometimes when you need to vent, you want to just kind of share with someone. Honestly, you just want to complain that life is hard. And if you do that with, like I said, a Christian that means well, they might drop one of those sayings on you. And it just doesn't feel good when people say, oh, everything happens for a reason when you're in the midst of a crisis. Or this too shall pass. Or God is trying to teach you something or someone always has it worse. God will never give you more than you can handle. That, thank you very little. That does not help. Am I right? I mean, am I out in left field here or am I hitting home? Okay, I'm there. So where does this saying come from? I want to dive into this. Let's, let's go into our Bible. If someone uh, can, can open up, if you have one of those blue Bibles, those free blue Bibles, um, those are free. They're in the chairs in front of you. If you'd like to take home a Bible for free, you can. And um, if you open up, uh, I want to have my daughter find me one of those blue Bibles so I can tell you the page number. Because some of you, um, you know, you're looking for the, the page number. And um, thank you, honey. Appreciate that. So we're in 1 Corinthians 10.13. She loves being the center of attention. Not really. But if you open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 10.13, if you have your electronic Bible on your phone, that's okay too. A lot of you do that. But 1 Corinthians comes right before 2 Corinthians in your Bible. I know that doesn't help you. But in 1 Corinthians 10.13, it's on page 1195 on this Bible here. And it says... 
that no temptation, and I'll have it on the screen for you as well, in case you just, it was too much energy, just too much to reach for and find that Bible, or maybe there wasn't a Bible there for you, but you just didn't want to do it. It's on the screen for you, no worries. But no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with a temptation, he provides a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So do you see how this relates to that saying, God will never give you more than you can handle? He says that he'll never let you be tempted beyond your ability. But there's so much more to this verse that Paul is saying here to the church when he writes this letter. First of all, I love that he says that temptation is common to all of us. It's normal. You're not surprised you're tempted, are you? Like, you haven't been tempted by something and been like, wow, that's really strange, that's abnormal. You know you, you know it's common, right? I mean, it's normal. But I like what it says next. In fact, I love it, because it's the best part of the verse. It's the real promise here in the verse. The real promise is that God is faithful. Faithful, trustworthy, as we sang, never gonna let you down. That's our God. And that's why we can say the real promise is that God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Then it says that God provides a way of escape so you can endure the temptation. Endure it. Now, a lot of times we think of temptation as something that passes by us really quickly. It kind of comes and goes. Like, like, a, like a beautiful woman walking in front of you, man. Like there's a, there's a temptation there, right? Or when you're scrolling on your phone, there's a temptation there. To, to stop and look. Or, or when there's a temptation to, to call up somebody to get the latest gossip. I try to meet both genders there, you know. So um, <laughs> those come and go quickly, but the reality is that our temptations often linger. They don't just come and go. They buzz around you like those bees at the apple orchard. You got some cider and donuts at the picnic table, you're going to have bees all around you, buzzing, annoying you. And that's often what temptation is like. And as long as you stay in that place, you're not going to escape the bees. You're not going to get away from the temptation. But here's the, the wonderful part. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is good all the time. And he helps you endure it. And if you look up that word endure, it's our translation of the Greek word. And the Greek word actually means to bring under. And so what I picture is God takes his coat and puts it over you to protect you from the bees. And he guides you out of that situation. That's what God does for you. He provides a way of escape by helping you endure it, by bringing you under his coat and protecting you. And that's our God. He is faithful. He is good all the time. All the time, God is good. See, I told you you need participation, and that was a little shaky there. Let's try that again. All the time, there you go. Now, just a, 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 a one final comment. I know it sounds like God will never give you more than you can handle, but the truth is that God doesn't even tempt you. If you read James chapter 1, you'll see God doesn't tempt you. He tests you, but he doesn't tempt you. You're tempted by your own passions and your own desires. So we want to be aware of that and understand that we will have less temptations in our life if we stick close to God and stay under his 
coat of protection. The next verse, and it's a little lengthier, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So now that you know where 1 Corinthians is, then you just go one more, and you got 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, so just a couple more pages ahead, and that would be page, or page 1202. And if you go there, I'm going to read this through. I, I needed to read the first uh, few verses just to give you context so that you can hone in on the two verses that are most important, verses 8 and 9. But this is Paul writing to the church a second time. And in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction as well, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Verse 6, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure, there's that word again, the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. We know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Here's the verse 8. We don't want you to be unaware, Christians, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You see where they were at? As Christians sharing the gospel? We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. We thought it was over. We were done. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him whom we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. And this is what I like. To the church, he says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul points out how powerful prayer is. That when the church prays, stuff happens. It helps us overcome when life is hard, when people are being afflicted. But Paul is saying inevitably here that life is hard. And life is hard even for mature Christians that have set themselves apart to do God's work. These were missionaries going all over, sharing the gospel, starting churches around the Mediterranean Sea. And they were afflicted. Life was hard for them. In fact, the Bible's full of examples. Like Job. People full of faith, who love God, righteous. But life was totally unfair to them. So as you sit there and think about that, you may think, oh, this is... This, this isn't fair. Like, I'm, I'm getting worse than I could... No, you're not. You're not. This is normal. There's many examples in the Word. How many of you have ever read Job before? The book of Job in the Old Testament, 42 chapters. If, if you ever come into a place in your life where you're feeling like, man, life's tough right now, life's hard, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm a struggle, read Job, please. Read Job. When you read Job, you'll realize Job was the most righteous man on the earth. Like God pointed out that he was the most righteous man on the earth. And the worst thing happens to him. On one day, all his children die. And then all his wealth is taken from him. 
And then he gets sick, like something horrible afflicts him. And what is his wife's advice to him? My wife would never say this, but what is his wife's advice? Curse God and die. That's how bad it is for you right now. And then his friends <laughs> come to comfort him with their words, and their many words, which is what most of Job is. And they basically say, dude, this is karma. You're getting what you deserve. And they had all their common sayings of that day in their own way. They said all these things. You're getting what you deserve. You're not as righteous as you think. But the truth is, Job is righteous. He doesn't deserve it. But God is allowing it. God is allowing this to happen to Job. And I know right there, you don't like that. And for many of you, that's not the God that you want. That God would allow suffering to take place in a person's life. That God would allow someone to suffer. I know you don't like that. And it always brings us to that question, why God? Why? Why would you let this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? We want bad things to happen to bad people, <laughs> but why do they happen to good people? That's why Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God. Philip Yancey is a great Christian writer, and he shares a story in this book of a man named Douglas, a modern-day Job, gives up a lucrative career to do an urban ministry. He's serving the Lord faithfully, and his wife gets breast cancer. And as she's going through chemotherapy, he's dealing with everything. He, he's responsible for everything as she's suffering through chemotherapy. And then, as he's driving his wife and his 12-year-old daughter, a drunk driver hits them head-on, leaving everyone alive but hurt. And Douglas is so um, hurt with a brain injury that he has severe limitations for the rest of his life. And so Philip Yancey interviews him because he thinks he's going to be disappointed with God. But actually, Douglas is not disappointed with God, surprisingly, to Philip Yancey. He admits he's angry, he's upset with his sufferings, but he's not disappointed with God because he has developed a trusting relationship with God apart from his life circumstances. And ultimately, that's what he believes is the point of Job. If you learn to trust God despite your circumstances, learn to trust God despite your circumstances. And he honestly can say, God is good all the time. Not just when life is going good for me, God is good. God is good all the time. And that's the point of Job to Douglas. That's the point that we need to get, I think, in our minds, is that we can trust God despite our circumstances. Many years ago, a rabbi wrote a book called when bad things happen to good people. Uh, many people love that book. Bestseller. I read it a long time ago, years ago, and I honestly did not find it encouraging. And here's why I didn't find it encouraging. Because the conclusion of the author is, God's outraged, God's angry when life is hard, when life seems unfair, but God doesn't have the power to change it. That's just not true. If you read the last five chapters of Job, you'll find out he does have the power to change it because he is all-powerful and he does intervene 
And even though he may allow certain sufferings to take place for a long time, he still is there. He still is faithful. He still is good all the time. Paul points this out to the church in Corinth. Verse 8, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. They admitted this is more than we can handle. Which makes that saying not a saying, not a promise. This is more than we can handle. We thought we were going to die. But he says, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. When life is hard, you need God's help, and God will help you. Because God is good. And you say, all the time. The last verse I want to look at is the verse that, about Jesus. What Jesus thinks about life on earth. It's in John chapter 16. It's in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You find it in the gospel there. John 16, 33. But before we look at that verse, I just want to ask you this question. Just think about this. Maybe you've ever, never thought about it before. Maybe you have. The truth is that when Jesus came to this place, this earth, we should have rolled out the red carpet to him. Shouldn't we have? I mean, he's God, right? We, 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 we should have showered him with gifts. We should have bowed down to him. He should have had a wonderful life here on earth. Think about it. He's God. But he didn't. In fact, some would say he had a horrible life the last three and a half years and how it ended. He said to his followers, to Christians, he said, if they persecuted me, guess what? They're going to persecute you. And then he says in verse 33, John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you can have peace. Because in the world you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You'll have tribulation. Life is hard. Life will be unfair. You'll face troubles. Sometimes for nothing you've done wrong. And if anybody ever suggests to you that life is fair, just point them to the cross. The cross proves that life is not fair. Jesus was perfect. No one's ever been like that. Perfect. And yet, he suffered a humiliating death on the cross. Excruciating, which is where the word comes from. Excruciating. Pain. That's not fair at all. Life is not fair. Life is hard. And when you read through the Gospels, Jesus never claimed life was fair. He would come across a lot of people who suffered, who were ill physically, and he didn't say to them, oh, you deserve this. He showed compassion. He loved them. He showed compassion to them. And, and, and he offered to some a physical healing, but it always pointed to a spiritual healing. And some would question him, how can you offer forgiveness? How can you offer spiritual healing? And he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Because when he died on the cross, he overcame evil. He defeated death. He, he can make that offer. Because he takes your place for your sin. That's called the atonement. That makes for a really good Friday. Which is why we call it Good Friday. In case you were wondering. Then he rose on Easter Sunday. 
He ascended to heaven. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our counselor, our helper. And honestly, he has provided everything we need for peace on earth. He has, in him, in the midst of a world that's full of tribulation. But let's face it, let's be honest. Until he comes back, life is hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be unfair. Life will give you more than you can handle, which is why you need God's help. And you can claim the promise that God is good all the time. When temptations come your way, God's going to provide an escape for you to endure it. He's going to put his coat right over you and protect you. When afflictions come your way, God, he may allow you to experience them for a while, but that's not him being unfair. That's him building trust, despite your circumstances. When you get to the end of your rope, guess what? That's when God begins. God is good all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because life happens to people. Life is hard. And sometimes God allows it to be hard. I'm going to share with you this final story that you may have heard before. It's in John chapter 9. No verses to go there to, but I just want to tell you the story. Jesus was walking with his disciples, and they came across a man who was born blind. Been blind his whole life. He's an adult now, and, and, and he was born blind. And the common belief in that day was that if someone was born with a disability, it was because they were a, going to be a sinner or their parents were sinners. In other words, it was their fault. And so the disciples asked Jesus, they said, who's the sinner here, Jesus? Is it the man or is it his parents that he was born blind? And so Jesus began to teach them and correct them that this man was not born blind because there was sin. He was born blind so that God can be glorified. Which I'm sure went right over their head or just turned their their belief system upside down because they had been learning from their rabbis their whole life that if someone is, is, is experiencing afflictions, it's their fault, which is what those friends of Job kept saying to him. It's your fault, Job. You're not as righteous as you think. Shut your mouth. <laughs> he kept opening it. <laughs> but Jesus corrects them. This man is not born blind for for that purpose, it's because so that God can be glorified. This man suffered a disability. His whole life was hard. In fact, he was begging for food every day. That was his life. He had a hard life. Every person would agree. It's not fair. Why is this guy born blind? Why did this have to happen to him? And then Jesus heals him. And when Jesus heals him, the whole community is just up in arms. They just, the religious leaders especially, they're calling in the parents, they're calling him in, you know, they're questioning him, why did this happen, how did this happen, so on and so forth. And do you know what happened to this man in the end? Jesus heals him so he can visibly see and he looks at Jesus face to face and he worships him as God. Just as we should do. He worships him as God. And you know what he gets? He gets kicked out of the community. You think life was bad before. Now it's worse. It's worse. And I don't think he minded. You know why I don't think he minded? Because he learned to trust God despite his circumstances. 
And isn't that what this is all about? That God is good all the time, despite our circumstances. God is good and we can trust him. And friends, that's my prayer for you, that you trust God no matter what happens in your life. Trust God no matter what happens, because God is good all the time. And all the time? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being good all the time, for being faithful, for loving us, for caring for us. Lord, Lord help us to, to deal with the, the difficulties that come in our life. Help us to overcome the temptations by showing us where to go and how to get out of it. Father, help us to be okay with, with afflictions that don't seem to go away. Lord, help us to trust you and, and teach us to trust you despite our circumstances. Lord, we know you love us. But God, oftentimes it takes experiences to make it real. And Lord, I know there's many here today that have had their own experiences, their own struggles. And there's many here that may have asked you, God, why? Why is this happening to me? And God, I pray that you've answered that today. I pray that you'll speak to their heart and let them know that you are good all the time. And you have a plan and you love us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.